You are listening to the Consig Fireside Chat Podcast, where the Consig Global Sales Mercenaries get to have a quick moment with the best in the business from around the world. Be sure to check out our website at www.consig.com for more details. If you want to be a guest on the show, please reach out to podcast at consig.com. We hope you enjoy the episode. I just want to say before we get started on the Consig Fireside Chat episode one, um, that I'm particularly personally excited to have Kyle D. Hegarty on as our first guest. Um, not a lot of people know that the reason why Consig exists in the first place is actually due to the influence of Kyle Hegarty. So I thought there would be no better first guest than Kyle. Kyle, thank you for your contributions to my personal career and also a lot of my colleagues and friends as well. You've been an amazing mentor and I'm looking forward to doing business with you in the ongoing years. In the meantime, guys, check out The Accidental Business Nomad, a survival guide for working across a shrinking planet. This is Kyle D. Hegarty's book. You can get it on Amazon and I believe Kindle as well and Audible as well. So please feel free to reach out to Kyle um, for guest appearances. He is truly amazing. Enjoy the show. Okay. Today, Consig Fireside Chat Episode 1, we have Kyle Hegarty, the Managing Director of Leadership Nomad and the author of The Accidental Business Nomad. Kyle, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Mr. Gilchrist. Great to be here. Episode one, so I'm a little nervous. I want to make sure that I uh, do this right. A lot of pressure. Not a lot of people know that you're actually my mentor. You're the guy who taught me sales, so this is this is a big deal for me. It's pretty, pretty, pretty scary. Pretty scary <laughs> for you. <laughs> I feel like I'm being graded right now. I'm going to be given a, a an actual grading. Okay, so we're just going to fire off some questions. Tell us the most impactful story of your career. I would say it would be the time that I just picked up and, and left the United States. So this would have been back in 2016, uh, where I was selling marketing solutions to tech companies and uh, getting itchy feet and decided that we wanted to do a little bit of adventuring. So I kind of went to the, the clients at the time and said, by the way, we are doing this in Asia. And I had no idea really what that meant. But at the time, the momentum was heading in that direction, and a lot of big companies got excited about it and came back and said, yeah, if you can do this in Asia, uh, we will we'll sign on. And so I found myself with a, uh, a, a briefcase or the equivalent of signed contracts and had no idea what to do about them. So got onto a plane and bought my one-way ticket, and 15 years later, we're sitting here talking to each other in, in Singapore. <laughs> super cool, super cool. Now... While you were here, I mean, what were some of the um, the kind of the, the biggest culture shocks that you had? Because I know you do kind of cross-cultural stuff. What were some of the culture shocks that you experienced when you first came to Singapore? The thing that um, I, I, start, I noticed and it was repeated time and time again was that people came rushing over into these foreign markets and they were running off of their previous playbooks. So if you were from the U.S., you would be going, uh, building your sales approach the same way you did back in North America, same with how you manage people, same with how you deal with marketing. And what I found was that 
almost every company was making these same expensive mistakes. So that's actually why I ended up writing the book was just because I had seen about, I don't know, a hundred, maybe more companies make all of these, these problem, uh, these problematic mistakes. For example, you know, thinking of Southeast Asia as a market rather than a series of smaller markets, uh, thinking that a management or communication style in North America would be the same to lead teams or build teams in other parts of the world, thinking about how to build relationships from a sales standpoint had massive variance. So all of these are areas that I uh, noticed over the years and I guess myself stumbled through and started really focusing on and thinking about. And the question I'm asking and I continue to ask is, what is the fast track way to help companies overcome all of those mistakes faster so that they can uh, get through that learning curve and, and just start focusing more on growth? Okay. Well, that's interesting. Now, how do you describe your industry today? I mean, you came over kind of in one particular way and it seems like, you know, you kind of either define your own industry or sub-industry? How, how do you define it today? Yeah, we came over and we set up a marketing agency. I certainly, while, while we still do marketing consulting help and we still work uh, doing some marketing campaigns, really what our business evolved into on this side was more on the consultative and training side because we saw so many gaps across the market from uh, educating, again, Western uh, companies, in this case, about expanding into new markets then the opportunity went the reverse, which would be uh, companies from Southeast Asia expanding into new markets and some of the cultural and geographical gaps that they would need to overcome. So the business kind of evolved into more of a consultancy slash training business. Uh, and then, of course, the pandemic struck, which put a you know, big wrench into everything as, as well as everything had to go remote. Um, one of the the thing I the, the book came out in it was finished in 2019. It came out in the middle of the pandemic, but the argument was that was that so many companies of all sizes have uh, have gone global, and you you don't even need a passport anymore to be working internationally. And I wish I had another month or two after the pandemic struck to be able to tweak some of the messaging on the book and you know maybe even change the title, but because it, it really. It really talks to the challenges that I think everybody's going through now, which is how do you build remote teams? How do you grow? How do you, how do you manage groups uh, in distributed settings? And what does that all look like? So uh, these are all the areas that I'm focusing on these days. And there's, there's certainly plenty of demand out there and, and challenges out there to be working on. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. So now what are some of the key things you want the world to know about Leadership Nomad or your book, The Accidental Business Nomad? The book was written for anybody who finds themselves now working in a global setting and is finding that there are some of these culture clashes or communication breakdowns and they don't necessarily know what's going on or, or, or how to fix it. So I, I tried to write it in a light, hard, uh, hopefully humorous and fun style just to make it easy for people to approach and have a little bit of fun with to say, you know what, let's just all admit that we don't fully know what we're doing. Uh, and that there are a bunch of different ways to solve these different problems. And ultimately, it comes down to people. Uh, so we need to be able to figure out how to work together better. That's, that's really the book, uh, what it's for, who it's for. So I'm hoping, and, and it's been getting, you know, it's been, it's been finding its 
its audience uh, slower than I had hoped, simply because I haven't been able to travel the world and and uh, and, and meet up with people face to face. But uh, when it's getting into the right hands, it's getting some pretty pretty fun and positive reviews. Well, that's cool. So now, like you mentioned, that you released your book um, in the middle of the pandemic, um, you're covering kind of this cross cultural stuff. Um, what has changed now? What's different now that we are, I mean, we're not through the pandemic completely, but we can start to see lights at the end of the tunnel. You see things changing in the U.S. a bit. People are opening up some more. Um, you see places like Southeast Asia opening up a little bit more. We understand COVID a little bit better now in terms of how it's transmitted. From before, it was a lot of kind of uh, hoopla around it. Um, now that we're in this new kind of norm area that we're going to, what do you think has changed as it relates to what you do? So uh, I, I, I'm, I think I'm in a very good place for all of this change. There, the answer is there's a lot that's changed and there's a lot that's been accelerated. So even my statement earlier that you don't need a passport to be working internationally, uh, that, that got accelerated uh, very quickly with the fact that everybody's now on Zoom and a click away. Uh, nobody needs to jump onto an airplane anymore. It's it's simply a two-second process to get in front of somebody virtually. So with that said, I think the big change and the big opportunity is to figure out how do individuals and companies work in this in this new world. Weirdly enough, or maybe it's counterintuitive, I think we are heading into a new level of globalization. Uh, you might not be seeing the tanker cars, uh, those numbers of, of goods and services trade might be uh, going down a bit, supply chains might be rearranging, but globally from a human standpoint, I think there's more communication and that type of uh, services work that's happening more so than ever. The big obstacle goes back to the core part of the book, which is that people need to figure out how to work with each other, whether or not they, um, you know, they, they may have very different working styles and different communication styles. So I think all of that has multiplied. I think from a company standpoint, that we are at the very beginning of the change that's happening. Now, as the pandemic hopefully is starting to subside, Companies have to make some very big decisions in terms of what does our return to work look like? Uh, are, are we office first? Are we remote first? Are we hybrid? What is hybrid going to look like? Uh, I think this is going to have a massive impact on where employees decide they want to be. Uh, I think that if companies are too top-down and start demanding that people come back to the office, that's going to cause trouble. I think if they think that work is going to be business as usual in a hybrid setting, I think that's going to have some problems because it doesn't always work very well. Uh, remote first has some downsides. So this is now the uh, era of everybody trying to figure out what they are going to do. There's, there is not a playbook for this. There is not a silver bullet answer in the consulting world that I'm in. I think it's massive opportunity to be able to help companies and teams that are interested in figuring this out. Uh, there are some really good case studies happening right now. I just actually finished writing one with a, a, a British company that had offices, has offices in different parts of the world. They did an employee engagement survey back in 2019, and the numbers, the communication across offices was incredibly low, so they scored very poorly. They put in place some 
efforts to bridge communication gaps. Uh, some of that included some of the work that I do, but there was other top leadership uh, efforts that were put in place as well. When the pandemic hit, they found that they were placed really well to handle it because all of a sudden everybody had to work remotely and they had been investing in communication improvement. So it was almost as if the, the company in this case was, was kind of ready for it. Uh, and, and we just did an engagement survey with them again. And it's, it sounds kind of a, like a weird statement, but one of the employees said in, in her feedback, she said the pandemic was probably the best thing that's happened to us in terms of improving communication. Now, while that's probably an inappropriate statement to some level, what she was meaning was that, you know, they forced this sort of shattering of hierarchies. They forced the change, pretty much. Forced everything. Yeah. Uh, forced everything to change. And it, and it forced all of the lessons that they had been working on in terms of improving communication. It forced that to get put into practice on a daily basis. So I think with that, my long-winded uh, answer here is that I think that there's just going to be incredible opportunities for uh, companies to step up and figure out what this new world looks like. But it's going to be very people-focused. It's going to be very soft-skilled focus. And the – I don't know if we're allowed to swear on your uh, podcasts here, Will, but, I mean, the bullshit artists of the world, the middle managers who just piss people off are going to uh, drive people away more faster now than ever before. Uh, so I think that's going to be the real differentiator between companies' success and failures. You, you can't have bad leaders or bad managers because it's too easy for people to leave now. No, that makes, that makes perfect sense. And so well, what about people who are looking to get into international business and global business? Let's say, you know, your average American or your average European or your average, you know, Asian going into new markets. So somebody from yeah. Asia going into the U.S. or somebody from Europe trying to do business in Asia. What, what, what are some of the things that you would tell them to watch out for? What, is, what, what, what can they do now? It, it's funny. There's, there's two kind of opposite answers, but both of them are, are true at the same time. I think that in some cases it's harder because there is, it is face-to-face -face interaction and being somewhere, being in, in market makes a massive difference. So that makes things more difficult. That's a bit of a handicap. The opposite, though, is that we are, as I said earlier, you know, click, clicks of a button away. There are online communities and networks that are stronger now than ever before. So it is possible to build relationships, to outsource key parts of business growth, uh, whether it's hiring, whether it's partnerships to other parts of the world. In many cases, it's easier now than it's ever been to work globally. What I think is the most important part is understanding the human-to-human -human connections and how you build relationships across those cultures. So what I focus on and, and what I would advise people is, one, you've got to be able to know your working styles and your, your communication styles inside and out because you can't change or you can't understand other people unless you understand yourself first. And the second part is to learn about whichever market or region or culture you are getting yourself involved in and start experimenting and thinking about ways you can adjust. And then three, there are specific tools that you can use to help build relationships faster that build 
better trust and, and ultimately get to better results. So I've put together these specific frameworks that gets people through this as quickly as possible um, you know, while, while still getting pretty deep into specific ideas. Uh, that, that's, I think, a, a, an area that people can, can actually solve for relatively easily. Okay. Okay. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. So now let's take a little turn here. I know we're going professional, but I think a lot of people want to know about you. I know you're a really busy person. You're a thought leader. You do a lot online. You do a lot of these podcasts. And thanks for you know joining us here. So how do you spend your downtime? How do you maintain a work-life balance? I mean, pre-COVID, during, during COVID and these circuit breakers and lockdowns, how do you stay balanced um, in the global business world, but also in your personal life? I am. Um, I'm when when I first got this this gig in in across Southeast Asia, it was very uh, intense. Involved a lot of travel, a lot of weird hours, and so I got really into certain sports and just training. That was like that was my release valve. So ending up and and I think you and I share this to a degree. It's like middle of the night bike rides and just kind of weird uh, off hour stuff to to do that. And then at the same time, just drink a ton of bourbon. Uh, which is a good kind of way to balance that healthy lifestyle out. It's necessary. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's really finding out, but finding you know, burning the candle on both ends. Uh, but no, I, I, I've got I've got kids that uh, need entertainment. But it was inter- it was really interesting actually. That like when we re- here in Singapore, we went into another lockdown recently, and it was deflating. It's that moment where you go, oh my god, we're going back into this. And it, it what. What we did collectively as a family was we put a plan together, said, right, we, this is an opportunity. What are we going to do? We're, we've got a tennis court here. All right, one of my guys is like, you know what, I'm, I want to get really good at tennis. Can you help me? So we've got, our, we've got our lockdown tennis plan with one kid. The other one is into running, so now he and I are running. Fantastic. So we start putting a little bit of goals in place, small manageable goals and that has really i think helped keep a little bit of sanity to this so as soon as the uh, home-based learning is done as soon as my consulting gigs or train or coaching is done turn off the computer get our butts downstairs and start working on our on our uh, on our projects that's awesome that's awesome well cool so look we are at the last question so one last thing to say to the world it's your floor you want to promote your book you want to give parting words of wisdom, a quote, it's your floor. I think that, uh, I think that this pandemic has shattered hierarchies in ways that we haven't really even realized as of yet. And what I mean by that is that the traditional work structures have, have fractured Companies, it's interesting. Some companies are trying to put those back together, and I don't think they're going back that way. And I say all of that as a way to speak to individuals to say it is up to each of us to figure out what this new autonomous, fractured world looks like. And I think that there's more opportunities now than ever before, but nobody is going to be putting it into our laps. It's entirely up to us to figure out what we're going to do with it. So the good news is that there's a ton of choice and opportunity. The challenge is that it really is going to require people to step outside of their comfort zones and and go for it on their own because there's no playbook for what we're walking into at the moment. That's awesome. That's 
really solid parting words of wisdom. And um, Kyle, thanks so much for doing this. Episode one of Consig Fireside Chat. I hope you're going to be listening to some of the other ones, Kyle. But they're going to be coming up. Um, it's on your list now. <laughs> on the list, on your uh, podcast role. It's going to be great. So we thanks a lot, Kyle Hegarty, Managing Director of Leadership Nomad and author of The Accidental Business Nomad. How can people reach out to you on, on LinkedIn? LinkedIn is the only social media that I understand. So yeah, find me on LinkedIn or uh, I think you can look up the book anywhere. It's got uh, audio book and uh, ebook, hardcover, whatever you want, whatever your poison. All of the, all of the above. He's easy to reach. Thanks a lot, Kyle. Thanks, Rob. We hope you enjoyed this Consig Fireside Chat podcast episode. Be sure to subscribe to be notified of any future chats. You can also check out our website at www.consig.com for more details. Consig, the world's first and only sales mercenary organization.